Hello and welcome to another guest feature on the Faultline podcast with me, your host, Tommy Flanagan. Joining us in this episode is arguably the best dressed executive in the broadcast technology <laughs> space. Someone who is considered a Scandinavian sports editing superstar, a mastermind of monitoring, an authority in analytics and a gentleman whose waistcoats are wasted on nobody. Dialing in all the way from Oslo, it is, of course, Simon Frostad, chairman and founder of Bridge Technologies. How are you today, Simon? Oh, I'm great. And, you know, who wouldn't be great after that kind of introduction? <laughs> Holy Moses, man. I'm, uh, you know, brought to tears here. Uh, of course, you, you're a better liar than uh, than most. So obviously none of this is true. But uh, I'm, I'm flattered uh, uh, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> I aim to please. No, it's all part of the tactics. You, you've got to butter them up early, you know, and then um, uh, yeah, lure them into a false sense of security. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then boom, they're the guillotine. Actually, Ramsey. Exactly. <laughs> um, I'm giving oh, away all strategy. my giving away all my trade secrets um, at the beginning. <laughs> anyway, thank oh, you for I'm joining making... us, um, Simon. So, um, yeah, great. I mean, um, um, with other guests, what I've done is kind of um, how I've started is gone back through the Faultline archive and yeah. kind of looked back to where the relationship um, yeah. has started. Um, I mean, you're an interesting case because unlike, obviously, you've been in the industry a very long time. Um, but unlike other guests um, we've had on you, you have only been mentioned directly once in our weekly publication. Obviously, this is the audio companion. The fault line goes out every every week, as you know. And that um, came about following the latest IBC, which is um, only four months ago at the time of yeah. recording this. But of course, as a company, we've featured Bridge Technologies numerous times over the year or the, or the years, although there was a peculiar gap in coverage between 2012 yeah. and 2022. <laughs> I remember we laughed about this when we sat down at IBC. <laughs> but I believe the first time we actually crossed paths was at NAB last year when I was leaving yes. a drinks party at a hotel and you came up to me and said, oh, hey, Tommy, I, I love what you guys at Faultline do. Keep up the good work. And I said, oh, oh thanks. Um, do you have a big business card I could take? Otherwise, I might forget. And you've replied, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, that is so true. I don't have business cards. So, just, you know, kind of not a fan of business me. cards. See, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very old school. I have to still carry business cards with me. But no, you, you've done away with them, have you? Yeah, uh, you, you know that that's one of the the, the key things because uh, if 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 dialogue is not uh, you know happening at the right time at the right place, then then no matter how much business cards you have, it's not going to be established. Well, that's a bit flamboyantly put, but but uh, to be honest, I had business cards for many many years. It's been put to good use, and um, I try to be prompt when I reply. So so yes. I think there is a case for business cards. The only thing I wanted to explain there, because now we're really, really cooking on business cards, is that <laughs> I don't use any digital equivalent either, because I really don't believe in that kind of shit. Mm -hmm. But uh, <laughs> but but yeah. <laughs> There's probably some kind of uh, metaphor in there for uh, legacy technologies, but we'll. we'll... Yeah, <laughs> there, there is, and there should be. Uh, you know, uh, like in American Psycho, you have all these people discussing, you know, the, the paperweight and, you know, mm. how they actually imprinted the name and, and detail, which was very, very important back in the day. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely some some great metaphors there for the broadcast industry. But, um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, your, um, your IBC, just looking back to um, IBC, your, your yeah. booth was quite something. It was huge, I remember. And I doubt yeah, there are many, nice. many attendees who, who missed it. If you were at IBC and you missed the Bridge Technologies booth, <laughs> I don't know how you did. But for anyone in the audience who 
didn't have the luxury of popping by bridge for a glass of champagne and a chat with uh, you or a colleague could you just give our listeners a quick whistle stop tour through uh bridges uh, quick history and and maybe a little touch on um on what you were showcasing at ibc Absolutely. And, and, you know, we, we in 2019, uh, actually in 2018, uh, we got this great capability of swapping our stand with Cisco's stand. And, <laughs> and you know, we we just couldn't resist, even though we're uh, we're not the size of Cisco, uh, uh, at least. And also uh, we wanted to make a statement because the one cool thing with IBC is that you actually get to showcase a lot of what you do. So you can actually do a full both technical build and you could show off philosophies which are difficult to do in let's say a hole in a wall etc that 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 basically uh is, is a lot what <laughs> what most people can afford and, and thank heavens we we did have the funds to actually secure this kind of thing and we believe that in 2019 when we first uh, exhibited in 235 square meters or something like that it 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 showcased a lot more about how all the products we do actually hang together because the reason we funded the the company in 2004 me and and and, and four other of my co-conspirators i would call them is basically because we had all this knowledge that that was about ip transmission and and i believed uh, uh, already in 96 that you know ip would dominate the world that, that nothing else of network technology would survive and of course, it took <laughs> it took a lot more years than than I I, I really expected, but we 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 started. Uh, and I don't know if you you know how I met uh, some of my current colleagues because uh, I I actually created a, a Scandinavian um, concept of doing broadcast contribution over an IP MPLS based network, and that was designed in in 1999 and put into operations in in 2000. It's, it's still in operation, by the way, uh, uh, bigger than, than than ever. And I had a huge difficulty in finding somebody that could translate real nice SDI super high low latency quality video into IP packets and and do that you know with with 50 megabits, 60 megabits of, of bandwidth. And, and, you know, back in the day, 155 megabit was considered crazy, you know, really, really crazy. Um, and I found these guys at Tanberg Television. And Tanberg's management at that time uh, don't even think about blessing them their souls because they were idiots because they said <laughs> ip no 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 you have to use some 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 cool things like atm and then i said to them, well i tried atm that's why we started with networking in 96 and we discovered uh, after a very very short time that intervendor compatibility and everything else was just bullshit it didn't work and it was crazy expensive so we actually got into then the IP game and, and Tanberg again said, no, 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 ATM or X25 maybe, or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And we said, no, 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 we want IP. And that meeting ended after an hour, uh, basically. And then one engineer uh, called Rolf Ulmer, he came to me and said, hey, hey, Sam, let's have a talk. Uh, because he could then m take one of their in management interfaces, 100 megabits, and, and convert it into an IP receiver transmitter. Uh, and he did, had a couple of weeks and then he, he made uh, made it and I got, uh, you know, uh, to test it in our labs. And it worked like a charm. <laughs> So then I came and, and ordered a lot of encoders, decoders, transport stream, encapsulators, blah, 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 blah. And then got uh, uh, MPEG-2, 422, 50 uh, megabits 
contribution streams uh, with then a huge Cisco 12,000 routers and the 7200 <laughs> routers. It was barely possible because the, these routers, even though they were top of the line right then, we're barely keeping uh, that kind of going, but it proved the concept and, and it was, of course, super efficient. So we actually had all this knowledge and I have all these friends from Tanberg and then Tanberg in their infinite wisdom in 2004 decided to move all R&D from Norway to the UK and, and of course there were zero engineers that wanted to move to the UK uh, because of this. So suddenly you had then, you know, a lot of the best IP based people on the planet Earth, uh, uh, and, and uh, it was three companies created then, uh, Appear TV, we took uh, a lot of transport stream guys, and, and, and uh, TVIPS, which is now Nevion, uh, that basically also got started in, the, in, in, in that year, and, and small, tiny uh, bridge uh, technologies that actually then started to create something we missed during that network project, which basically was more IP analytics. How the hell can you actually see how these packets actually work on the network without being a crazy, uh, you know, uh, uh, CCIE uh, that, that understood the abstractness in your head because there was no tools, no visualization methods whatsoever. So we came together and made that. Um, in six months, we had the first prototype <laughs> and uh, we kind of presented it around and, and uh, got a, a lot of traction. So we sold tons of these uh, uh, very, very small uh, uh, devices that had uh, 100 megabit ports, uh, of course. And, uh, you know, I have one more story I just have to tell in that respect, because the reason we actually we wanted to create our own electronics, we wanted to create our own hardware and, of course, to, to get something that is stable enough to put our software on top. Um, and we can't do that in six months. That takes, you know, kind of two and a half, three years, no matter what, if you're going to create telco grade uh, uh, stuff. So we actually found the uh, English company Amino. They, <laughs> they were creating very small, cute setup boxes at the time. And their smallest model called the 103, uh, you know, composite output, it was just crazy. Um, but it contained those enormously nice PowerPC 603 uh, uh, circuit board with just enough RAM. And we made it to run Linux. And then basically we then purchased a lot of those set of boxes, uh, totally, you know, threw away the, 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 the other stuff and kept that motherboard as a controller for our system. And it was devilishly stable, very, very inexpensive. So we earned uh, a lot of money and also got our name made in, 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 in that sphere. So that proves that you can actually get uh, to market pretty fast. And also, again, the, the value of software, because no matter what we do with our hardware, we make a lot of hardware. But the most important thing we do is software always been, will always be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll have to remember that one next time I'm uh, catching up with the Amino guys. Yes. I mean, yeah, I guess they, they don't care. They still got paid for it and you made Absolutely. money from it. So who cares? Yeah, yeah it was uh, some of our partners got a real shock because one one of our early partners, he opened the box, you know, to see exactly what was in there. And it was that, but, 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 but it's a set of box. <laughs> <laughs> 
And to be honest, a majority of set-top boxes, you, you just couldn't do that with. Uh, the, the 103, which accidentally also was Amino's first uh, attempt into this, is probably their best product ever. It was devilishly simple, super stable, and ac extremely inexpensive. I'm, I'm very impressed by that product. <laughs> well, so talking about um, Bridge being obviously really early to, to IP, so yeah. why is it today that we're still having the same conversations we had this conversation back at um ibc 2022 we'll probably have a yeah. similar conversation at ibc <laughs> 2023 about broadcasters being resistant and still being resistant to migrate workflows to to um ip um i mean do, do you see that changing are we just going to cont continue moaning about this forever until um, until eventually those broadcasters that are dragging their feet they just eventually they just die off like some sort of natural selection process yeah and 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 you know to be honest, to their credit, both the telecommunications business and broadcast business, being conservative is actually good because basically you, you want evolution. You don't want revolution, but that means that, you know, blood is flowing in the streets and, and, and basically stuff does, stops working. And, and to that respect, I have a huge respect for both the broadcast and telecommunications for, for, the, for that reason. Because you have to be very, very careful when you actually are transporting stuff with super high value. It just can't fail. And if it's going to fail, you have already planned plan B, C, D, E, F. So you know exactly what to do and you'll keep it on the air no matter what. And that is that is uh, uh, argumentally one of the key benefits of this industry. They don't take anything lightly. And I believe uh, and hope that that will still be the case going forward. But then again, and then you have the opposite side of that coin, because, well, I can I can sure understand that when people then uh, draw a significant likeness between IP and Internet, that, you know, it kind of feels a bit strange. Oh, this Ethernet port that you just, you know, do whatever with feels a bit strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But IP is not that. IP can be as stringent and as synchronized and actually can provide you with even better redundancy than traditional means. So that means that you have to see it from both sides. And it obviously has been a generational change, but most of the people that were very, very interested in uh, first going fiber optic, going even ATM, going uh, even microwave with, with TDM based technologies. These were the people that was first to also embrace IP because they understood that, wow, we can do even better things with it. And that happened also with the broadcast community because the last six years a lot of not not everyone but many of the tier ones you know the coolest broadcasters on the planet they've embraced it a long time ago again six years ago because they saw the benefit and and so it is it, kind of like it will trickle down as all technologies does and i remember when we went from from uh, first uh, analog pal and 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 and, and tsc to component nightmare oh my god it was horrible and then to sdi there was a lot of challenges because really would this sdi ever take off it was invented by sony wasn't it so okay is every vendor agreeing on that it took in the retrospect, you know, six to eight years. So this kind of slow adaptation is not unheard of uh, in, in the broadcast community whatsoever, because again, people are very, very careful. And I have deep respect for that, but we already passed some thresholds. We had a huge thing going on in Qatar, uh, you know, just uh, just weeks ago or a month ago. And, and 
that's one of the biggest events ever in broadcast history that was catered for a complete IP core. There was absolutely no SDI into the core system, the core venue contribution and, and the core switching system. And then, of course, it went into multiple of technologies for distribution and, and for contribution back to the broadcasters. I think it was, you know, 60 or 70 broadcasters that got the signal from this, this complete IP core. So that kind of got rid of the last remnants of, of resistance because obviously nobody is going to do any form of big event anymore without uh, uh, that. And, and just to, you know, uh, uh, intrude upon your hospitality, Tommy, one of the reasons it was such a success was, of course, that we had a ton of our 440 uncompressed uh, 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 probes there because it's again without visibility to what's actually being transported on these circuits you have no visibility at all it's like we say when we develop software if you don't test it it doesn't work so uh, a lot of these kind of st stuff actually needs to be in place in a different kind of manner than than old school sdi television but it's cool it's happening as we you know live and breathe yeah but yeah, evolution, not revolution, was how yes. you started that. But yes. with with the World Cup being every four years that you're referring to, I guess it is a revolution when it's every four years. It must be yes. you must see huge changes in that time. Have you? Oh, presumably, you do every World Cup. Well, since you've been founded, have you? Have you worked with all of them? Uh, we we actually worked with most of the the uh, World Cup and Olympics, but on the distribution side. So so mm -hmm. not so much on the on the production side. And one of the reasons is that we never were super interested in having hybrid systems which combined you know SDI and IP because we were kind of saying that no 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 uh, we're going for a full IP world forward. So that means that the, the last World Cup wasn't that interesting uh, for us, but. The last Olympics, on the other hand, you know, both in Tokyo and 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 in Beijing, was uh, uh, very very instrumental in in getting uh, us on 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 this kind of level because they utilized a lot of our equipment. Because remember, I talked about this amino box uh, mm -hmm. that was it's called the VB10. It was a, you know very very small nice box, but. One thing was to create the box with that Linux software in it. The, the, the second kind of important thing that we did at the same time in 2004 was to create the UI as a web browser. So that instead of having an application as a front end, a Flash even was very popular at that time as front ends and, and could do a lot more fancy graphics than we could with the web browsers. So we, we basically created then a web server inside uh, that box. And, and the cool thing is that that's exactly what, what what we're still doing because we believe that you put the measurement device where your signal is typically in the pop or together with your routers your switches and and then you actually just get the data where you are and and now we have brilliant ip uh, connectivity even the public internet is pretty decent these days if you have you know a high enough bandwidth and low enough latency so you can be anywhere actually getting the 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 real gist of the data and that's actually what i feel is uh, or, or actually is the revolution about a lot of these things because why change to IP? Well, because you can do this so much simpler with different paradigms and you can actually then change how you centralize, how you diversify into uh, remote production and, and whatever. And that has been a huge thing 
for the Olympics and the World Cups because suddenly you don't need all the engineers to be on site anymore. And especially in Tokyo, that was a huge thing because they had full lockdown. I mean, it was very, very difficult to actually get people in into the country. And then suddenly that that message actually came <laughs> came home to everyone that, okay, and we can do a lot of this basically from remote. I'll take it. So we had a field day with with a lot of these things, and 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 that is now reflected into how people are starting to design the next generation of of these events. Yeah, incredibly impressive feats, definitely. Um, so there's a lot um kind of being written and, and said at the moment. People are concerned about money, uh, customers keeping their checkbooks tight and um, close to their chest. You know, so. Do you think the the economic headwinds that we're seeing around the world at the moment, do you think that might hold back uh, more tier two and three broadcasters uh, embracing IP or do you think that's going to happen regardless? Oh, no. This, this year particularly. Um actually uh, it's going to help the ipification because again ah. it, it's going to make a lot more uh, production cap capable or, or, or even be, be able to do because you know, if you actually want to, uh, the, the full World Cup was in 4K HDR, by the way. And, and you know, <laughs> doing that in any other environment that IP is just economically suicide. Uh, so obviously, you know, building an outside broadcast vehicle or a flyaway or whatever with 4K technology, and then you have to convert it back to SDR. You have to also down convert to HD, HD, HDR. So you have a lot of different signals and you have to build everything in parallel in SDI world. I don't think so. There is not enough money on the planet to do so. The only thing you can do is to build an IP core, which arguably is a bit more expensive than an SDI core. Yes, absolutely. It probably is. And I, I, to be honest, it is. But if you first have an IP core, you can transport all these signals in parallel if you like to. And that means that you will never need to change your infrastructure again. You can upgrade it, but you can upgrade it in field. You don't need to change anything. And that's the first time in broadcast history because every single time there was a new format from standard definition, uh, oh, let's say from analog to component, oh, big change. From component to STI, standard definition, huge change to HD, gone with the equipment again, HDR, gone again and then 4k oh another paradigm you know we can't continue on this kind of path so yes it's going to help number two because one thing is that with ip you can also get the benefits of centralization and remote work you can't do that with sdi because you need to convert that into some ip stuff and then suddenly you are in a big mess with a lot of latency a lot of expensive equipment and blah 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 if you have a big IP-centric platform, though, oh, that's interesting because then you could say, okay, so three of my camera painters is work working on the venue, two of them is working uh, centrally, and three of them is working from home. Uh, it's possible. People are doing it actually today. So you can't miss out on the extreme cost savings of that. And you know, back in the day when we created the the the, the contribution network in Scandinavia, <laughs> the, the key thing was that the price of logistics to actually uh, drive satellite uplink vans 
all around Scandinavia. And remember, Scandinavia is a very, very long kind of country, especially Norway, because, you know, from Oslo to, 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 to uh, Tromsø, it's the same as from Oslo to Rome. So it's a huge logistics expedition to actually get this kind of thing going. We can save all that money by just networking it. And this is the same with SDI. Suddenly you don't need to care that much about the infrastructure, of course, if you do it correctly. And, and then suddenly you can cater for whatever. And that, of course, ties into the very topical and important um, area of sustainability, which, you know, you, could, you can save money, make more money and, um, and, and and also save the planet at the same time. But uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I wanted to, um, I couldn't get you on, Simon, without mentioning a, a little something called SRT, you know, yeah. um, the, obviously it's the low latency transport of the broadcast IP space has taken on a, a whole new beast ever since 2017 when SRT was open source. Now, I recall IBC 2019, yeah. I, we keep mentioning IBC, don't we, in, in this <laughs> podcast, it's, it's an important event. Um, and yeah, IBC 2019, when, when the SRT Hub partner program was unveiled, yeah. and I can tell you, I've never seen a single company booth as buzzing as <laughs> High Visions was at that show. <laughs> it was quite something, you know, excluding all yeah. the the crap booths like Sony and AWS that are always busy. High Visions was was amazing, you know, and then SRT T Hub came along. It helped remove um, quality of service parameters, you know, for live scale dis distribution. And then Bridge launched some um, products and new technologies um, on the back of that, you know, real time production tools, uh, uh, targeted web browsers and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I was curious to ask, um, do you honestly believe that Bridge would have been as successful in the last four years since then without SRT? Or um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, not you, Tommy, but uh, sorry, Peter. Peter Mogg is, you know, one of the, <laughs> the, the big initiative yeah. uh, takers no, from the SRT Alliance. I'm sorry, but we would have made it without you, Peter. <laughs> but that's the but exact I, answer I was hoping for. <laughs> but but it's difficult to gauge exactly, yeah. you know, how influential uh, SRT was in the IPification because a lot of people got their heads up uh, with SRT because oh. I can do this over IP, and of course, it's 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 an encoding, decoding, uh, and, and and forward error correction mechanism. So so we had that for years. It's nothing brilliantly new with SRT, but they managed for once to to capture people's imagination and suddenly say, "Wow, we can do all these sort of things, and I can do it all over SRT. One day I can do this, the other day I can do this, and I can have 300 destinations if I, I like to." And this was not possible for any kind of economic side whatsoever ever before SRT and and they were brilliant in both the marketing but also the product is good you know and and, and I, I I'm a big bit thankful for SRT for bringing again IP to the forefront because that's what I think they did, did best uh, best of um, from, from our perspective it, it wasn't that important because we came from from again distribution side for tier one production, SRT is not that heavy in use because the quality uh, requirements are, are higher and the low uh, latency requirements are much, much lower. But for anything else than, you know, Formula One, World Cup football, Olympics, blah, 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 SRT is just perfect because it fits into your wallet and it fits into your bandwidth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know we could um, we could have many separate um, uh, debates on on the technical superiority of RIST versus SRT that yeah, yeah. a lot of people like Good to debate. Case. Yeah, a lot of yeah. that is way over my head. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of marketing momentum, yeah, SRT oh, has been absolutely been a phenomenon. Perfect. 
And one more, one more thing, which I, I find to be the, the third advantage with SRT is that they manage to get very, very good uh, intervendor operability, which is something mm -hmm. that is, you know, not present in most of the other <laughs> uh, 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 kind of things. And and mm -hmm. and that also is a huge accomplishment and very, very important from a, a, you know feature protection and, and invest investment protection from the customer side. Absolutely. And um, before we uh, wrap up, Simon, is there any any sort of teasers you can give us for the bridge uh, roadmap for 2023? I know you sometimes like to tease product updates, um, any customer announcements or, or new products in the in the pipeline for this year. Well, well, we never we, we actually never do uh, customer announcements. We can we can mention customers in 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 private conversations, but we never we never talk about customers, uh, uh, you know, in in the wild. And and the reason for that is that. Uh, uh, we we have a lot of cooperation, very deep cooperation with with some very very amazing customers, and, and it really, you know, I, I I get moved to tears when I think about what they have <laughs> contributed to actually get yeah. the, the product up and running on that quality level. But <clears throat> I, I I would love to uh, you know uh, talk talk a little about um, the abilities that we have uh, uh, to again make all of this some some interesting value uh, value proposition you know you talked about the uh, economy what where's the economy going in 2023 24 uh, uh, people are getting to have to have tighter budgets that means you have to do more with less uh, and and that is actually uh, an angle we're pursuing a lot and and at IBC you saw one little thing and that was basically in our uncompressed uh, device for both analytics and, and scoping capability we introduced and having a signal generator as well and and that means that basically with that software uh, you will then be able to get rid of some other boxes that you uh, uh, had a need for in the past and we will continue to create more functions into that same appliance for then uh, our customers so that they again can can get more done with less because i believe that in the future of of this fantastic broadcast industry nearly everything will be done by software uh, uh and 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 that needs then to be running on pretty generic types of hardware and it needs to be running on fewer pieces of hardware and and the the world is playing in into our hand there you see every two years you know the the processing capability for the same cost is, is dramatically reduced and and that is something that is going to continue and we'll be very very happy in making or or being part of making that happen uh, because mm -hmm. that that's unavoidable if you're going to survive in a in high-tech market yeah okay I, i've just um made it one of my personal missions to try and prize out a customer uh from you uh this uh -huh. year that, that i can uh write a story about hopefully <laughs> well but, uh, 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 we, we can always uh, get you some contacts uh uh there here and there <laughs> please do please do yes you know i've just um i've just brought up some uh some headline uh figures that i thought i'd i'd drop in that bridges um monitoring and analysis systems your intelligent switches and your virtual environment environments help deliver over 20,000 channels to more than 900 million subscribers yes. in 94 countries. Are, th are those numbers update uh, up to date? 
No, they're not. <laughs> it, was, it was updated in 2017. Oh. I'm very sorry about that. So it, it, it's a lot more uh, more now. We are so it's in over 96, a billion. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's wow. more closer to, to 1.5, 1.6 billion. Um, and you know, we we always been very, very blessed with the distribution uh, uh, systems we have. Uh, and that means that a lot of our customer base is repeat customers. They 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 basically then expand their system. They change their system. They go from cable to OTT. They are a very very a good partner of ours. So so in the end we we have quite a lot uh, because again. We, we do this kind of three-pronged thing. We have our own hardware that's embedded systems, very, very low on, on power drain, et cetera, super stable. You can put it on mountaintops. We have the systems that has, you know, been running for 14 years uh, from, the, from the first batch. So, so this is the telecom grade kind of crazy stuff running on the same software. Then we have appliances, which basically is our own uh, Intel server-based grade things. And then we have software only. So you can run it in AVS or you can run it in any cloud you like to and all the customers have all these three choices and it looks the same feels the same it's deployed a bit differently uh, and that's it and that has helped to bring that number <laughs> up so high because it's very very easy for them to expand their system and i believe in one thing and that is that if you don't provide real value in operation, then you know get out of there because that is what is clinching a customer in the end. How much does it cost me every year? Do I need crazy experts to run this kind of thing? Is it really giving me value or not? Yeah. Um, are there any uh, uh, rivals you'd like to to mention that come close to those numbers? Who are you um, jostling with in terms of uh, number of subscribers? There, you said about 1.5 billion at the moment. Yeah, the, the one thing that has been having a, a huge dramatic uptake is the translation into uh, into OTT, and that means that suddenly uh, uh, you you see. The the problem is for a lot of operators to differentiate, you know, uh, which is the dual customer here, because, you know, you have Netflix, right? And uh, you have uh, probably uh, uh, Amazon as well, Prime, of course. And, and uh, I have, I think it is 18 or something different <laughs> payable subscriptions. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so. I, I think that everybody's reporting these big dramatic numbers are probably not completely on, on this planet. Uh, but uh, again, we've had equipment for satellite monitoring, analytics, uh, <coughs> cable, uh, terrestrial, and, and of course, uh, OTT, and that gives you those numbers. Uh, terrestrial is, is still going super strong. And remember, terrestrial in a, in a country like Germany, where it's 87 million, and, and most of them actually have a TV receiver set for, for terrestrial still. So those numbers rake up very, very fast. Uh, OTT is the second uh, runner up, I think. Great. All right. On that note, <laughs> Simon, I think that's all we've got time for today. But um, that was brilliant. Thank you for having us on. Oh, and by the oh, way, thank um, you, uh, Tommy. By the way, any listeners, go and check out The Bridge Show on YouTube. I've seen a few episodes <laughs> and it is, it's, it's very funny. It does what I love. It combines uh, talk about technology with humour and humanity, you know, which there isn't enough of in this world. So. Keep up the great work, um, Simon. Pleasure having you on and all the Thank best you, for 2023. Absolutely a pleasure.